How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Harrison Fagan. In about seven to ten minutes or so, we are going to be joined by John Ireland. Uh, that's a really fun conversation. It's already taken place. I allowed Harrison to take part in it, um, although it's been a while since we since I did the thing where I didn't let him talk. So we might have to surprise everybody with one of those shows here in a bit. Um, as always, and, and I'll get to what we're going to talk about in the show because we kind of went all over the place. But as always, make sure you're following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Use those promo codes on SeatGeek, Mac Weldon, Blue Apron, ZipRecruiter. Uh, make sure you continue to support those companies. Uh, all right, the way today's show was going to go, Harrison and I are going to do a quick 7 to 10 minute intro uh, just talking about news of the day, Topics of the day. I pissed off basically all of Lakers Twitter with a with an. Uh, I guess it's a column. It'd be a column that I wrote, right? It's not an article. Um, yeah, I wrote I wrote a column on why the Lakers should trade for Carmelo Anthony that made a whole bunch of people angry, in, including Mike Morse on on Facebook, who apparently said this is why he unfollowed me on Facebook. Sorry, Mike. I'm, I really apologize. I, I don't, but I'll move on. Uh, Harrison, what would you say beyond we'll, – we'll get to Carmelo in a, in a while. But I would say the number one news, uh, the, the bit of news that I found the most interesting today was Magic continuing to talk about the stamina and the conditioning that he's expecting of the Lakers moving forward into next year. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean I, I thought that a lot of people were kind of debating about whether or not they should even be using body fat as like a measure of that. And I did, I just thought that it was interesting that magic just off the cuff without even being prompted was like only two of three or three of our players were below 10% body fat. And I was like, uh, is that not like proprietary information like a little <laughs> bit, but I mean, he just shot it off, but yeah, I mean, we got into this a little bit with John when we recorded with him, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important for them, like we talked about it as far as defense, but it's also important for them to get out and run. And it's very clear that they want to get out and run. They were six in pace this year, so they need to be in shape to be able to do that. And Magic, I thought it was interesting just him saying that straight up that players who aren't in shape are going to be benched. I might talk to Jen about this, and, and we've had my wife, Dr. Jen Irwin, whatever her dpt whatever it is after there i'm sorry jen that i don't know oh my god but uh i want to ask her though if there's a you you don't even know your wife's doctorate 
No. It, I know DPT is one of them, but there's like three or four of them. She's really smart. I'm really I'm, stupid. I'm I'm going to let her know about this. <laughs> um, but I I want to I'm I'm interested and I'm curious to see if fat might not be a terrible thing at the start of a year to have kind of like a fat storage to be able to fall back on because the NBA season Whatever you tell yourself, man. is so grueling. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm going to go hibernate now. Um, but, but I, I'd be interested to see like if there are studies done on this, that NBA players coming in too skinny might actually be a problem, not just with energy because fat can be, you know, kind of turned around into energy, but also from a softening the blow of like a normal typical contact that a player takes in an NBA game. Like I'd be, I wonder if there has been studies done on this. And if Magic might continue to be thinking back from, you know, his playing days, which is fine. Like, it, pulling from your playing days, that's probably going to be where he learned most of his lessons as uh, a person anyway. Um, I wonder if that would be something that might be frowned upon in, in today's league with all the new research that's been done in the last 30 years or so. Well, the Lakers had kind of a case study on that because you can go to my Twitter account and I sent out this picture, but somebody tracked down a screen grab from Spectrum Sportsnet of the Lake of one of the Lakers workout boards where they had the players body fat percentages listed. And the Lakers had one rookie who was very low in Brandon Ingram and one rookie who was at almost 18 or 19 percent body fat in Avita Zubats. Mm -hmm. And both of them, it kind of ended up working out for both of them. They both came on later in the year so I think ultimately the lesson here is I don't know how much it matters as long as your as long as your body is functional at the weight that it's at I don't know how much body fat specifically body fat matters I think a lot more of it is conditioning and like how much muscle is maybe underneath that fat yeah it's it's a really interesting topic because again there's been so much research done in the last you know 10-15 years or so that 20 years ago 30 years ago people would have said no you're you're crazy that why would why would that make any sense you know so it's something to to really think about um the next bit of news i I, it's hard for me to call this news why why do people care so much that like ingram or russell are going to work with kobe like why is that a thing because kobe better oh all right well that covers that then um, that gives us I, this. We'll, we'll just use the last couple minutes of this to talk about Carmelo Anthony then, and, and my article with with Carmelo. And if you guys want to read it, it's really long. I haven't written written an article that long in a really long time, and it's kind of uh, hypocritical of me to write such a long article, knowing that I I hate reading. So I'm sorry to everybody that I did that to. But I wrote an article basically saying why I think the Lakers should trade for Carmelo Anthony. And the overriding point is that it's not necessarily about Carmelo as a player, although you are getting Carmelo as a player. So those of you who say that it's a risk to take on Carmelo as, you know, Carmelo Anthony, the player, I understand where you're coming from. And I think it's a very viable and fair point to make. Uh, But for me, I I look at it as, you know, when you buy stocks, you want to buy low and you want to sell high. And right now the, the Knicks are about to do the opposite of that. They're about to... They bought super high on him when they definitely didn't have to uh, a few years ago. And now they're about to sell really low on him when, again, they don't necessarily have to. Uh, and I think the Lakers, being an opportunistic, you know, Rob Palinka is a very successful businessman. Uh, 
same can be said about Magic Johnson. Both those guys, you don't get good at business without taking advantage of other competitors' plight. This is a good place to do that. And uh, if it means that the Lakers could somehow shed Luol Deng's salary as a part of it, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I guess I would say the counter-argument for a lot of people uh, I th- that I saw, I'll just aggregate from most of the counter-arguments I saw thrown at you. Well, a lot but, of it was, you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, well, okay, so you're <laughs> stupid, number one. Yeah. But number two... <laughs> Dang's contract only runs like a year longer than Melo's at uh-huh. this point. And I, the Lakers could, I, I mean, I guess Melo could opt out after the first year. So maybe he gives you some relief there. But I, I don't know how likely that is. I don't know if he's going to opt out looking for one last big one or take the final giant one-year deal. Who knows? Uh, but the other stuff, I think there that are some like valid, some valid work concerns like Melo would stop the ball and take possessions away from the kids that the kids need to grow and develop. And so there's that. And then just like, I I don't, so I don't know if he really vibes with the style of play that Walton wants to do. And I also don't know that you need to be giving up assets to go and get him. Yeah. I guess it depends. It depends on what we're defining as an asset. Like are we are we calling Jordan Clarkson an asset right now? He's an asset. I mean, I wouldn't call him like an A plus asset, but he's an asset because his deal's still pretty reasonable. Like twelve million dollars a year isn't that much, mm-hmm. and for for a guy that can do what he does off of the bench, and so he has like a reasonable deal. Randall is like an interesting case because I, I'd value him more than Clarkson. But at the same time, if you're bringing in Mello, Randall wouldn't – it would kind of be a weird fit with Randall. And the Lakers have this power forward log jam they need to kind of work out anyway. And so sending out Dang and Randall in a deal for one guy that can kind of play the 3-4, mostly the 4, you would hope, is I guess like reasonable just from a roster construction perspective but and alleviating that log jam. But I, I don't know. I mean – I go back. I don't. I don't necessarily think that if it's if it's just Randall and Dang for Mello, I don't think that that's. I don't think that's a bad deal at all. But I think you gave up considerably more than that. Yeah, and the, and so that this is the other point I was going to make was that in the construct of the show that I had or that we had, and I hope everybody listened to it already. If you haven't, you know where to find it. Um, I I got on a on the phone with Jared Dubin. Uh, who hosts Locked On Knicks, and I think he's a considerably better negotiator than Phil Jackson is. I think uh, we had a goal in mind. Like we weren't, it wasn't. It would be kind of stupid of us to have a show and then not get a trade done. So I, I gave away more just for the sake of getting a trade done on the show and not wasting everybody's time. But for the Lakers, it's a perfectly viable option to just walk away from the negotiating table if they have a trade in mind and if they're saying. All we're willing to offer is Luol Deng, you know, getting rid of Luol Deng and maybe the Houston pick and maybe Jordan Clarkson and, that you know, and they aren't willing to go further than that, then they don't have to. They'd be perfectly fine without trading for him. I just think it'd be kind of a missed opportunity to say to draw the line at Jordan Clarkson or to draw the line at, at uh, the Houston pick. I, it just that if it means getting rid of Lou Waldang's contract, and and I'm biased because I don't particularly like watching Lou Waldang play be, play basketball. Um, I think you kind of have to do that. 
all those are valid kind of excuses for why you would do this, except for that you didn't want to waste everybody's time because you ended up wasting everybody's time getting really mad at you on Twitter anyway. <laughs> and I think we spent a lot more time dealing with that than we would have if you would have just not made a deal or went like two minutes longer on the podcast. So just had to poke a hole in it there. <laughs> I guarantee you people would have been significantly more annoyed if they listened to a podcast and no deal got done. Mm, I don't know. Let Anthony know in his mentions because they aren't a tire fire enough whether or not you would have been mad. <laughs> There's a good chance I'm not going to get to them because they look like a casino-like slot machine. They've looked like that for most of today. Um, that does it for this little brief. Speaking in- of not wasting any more of your time, yeah. we should probably get to the interview with John Ireland. <laughs> he was great as always. Uh, he's he was very friendly with his time. There was a slight technical technical difficulty that he actually warns us about before it happens, and then we rejoin. Uh, it was actually fairly smooth. I was kind of surprised at how smooth it went over. So enjoy that conversation. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, back at it again with another week into the offseason. I hope everybody's enjoying the playoffs. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, we are joined now by John Ireland. This is now his uh, – is this your third appearance already? It uh, could be. It's at least the second. Do you guys think it's, it's third. It's, you guys it's would know third. better than me. Is it second or third? It's the it's third. third. So I guess at this point we're allowed to call you friend of the show, John Ireland. <laughs> Absolutely. But honor, honored to be friend of the show. Awesome. We, I was actually really appreciative. You gave uh, the Locked On Network a shout-out. I was listening. I usually have you guys on in the background while I work from, here from home. Uh, so I really appreciated the shout-out. And, and, and as everybody sure. as everybody knows, uh, John hosts the Mason and Ireland show on ESPN Radio, and then he does. he's the radio voice of the Lakers and, and does sideline interviews for, for Spectrum Sportsnet. So let's, all, let's go ahead and get this thing going. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us. I'll start here. Based on your expectations of the season going into this year, how, how would you say this season played out? Did it meet your expectations? Did it fall short? How, how did you see, think this season went? Well, I, at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd win between 25 and 30 games. But when they started 10 and 10, I started to get greedy. Um, so, it, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the original projection I had, they fell right in. it. They met exact expectations. But then they started 10 and 10, I thought, huh, maybe this is a 35 or a 40 win team. And so it, I guess it depends on what time of the year you asked me. But I would I would say overall pretty much mad expectations um disappointing though after the 10 and 10 start does that make sense yeah absolutely i mean that's kind of the issue with such a broad question there is is you you know at any given point of the season that changes it has to change like i didn't think when after they started 10 and 10 and then they they that middle of the season struggle hit and they had their injuries and stuff I didn't think at that point in the year, my expectations were, okay, maybe we have to rethink our expectations and they're going to be closer to 20 than to 30 in this, in this thing. But they finished with that five game winning streak. And had you told me when they were, whatever it was, 10 and 50, it felt like that they would finish the year as strong as they did. I would have said, you're crazy because of the basketball we were watching then. Right. And I, and also, you know, as part of that 10 and 10, I had watched the Warriors play a lot the previous two years when Luke was their assistant, and I knew what he he wanted to do. And if you watch those first 20 games, offensively they were doing it. 
they were playing hot potato with the basketball. They were sharing it. They were moving it. They were really fun to watch. Defensively, they they weren't quite where they needed to be. And I think, guys, that's where that's where the downhill slide started was they could never quite get the defense the way they wanted to. Because if you watch Golden State play defense, those guys switch everything and play on a string. They, they play a ball-hawking, aggressive, you know, uh, everybody's moving, everybody's switching. The Lakers tried to do that, and I think Luke and the coaching staff realized early on that you, we can't switch everything with Mozgov. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we can't switch. At, you know, Deng, you probably could. Randall, probably not. Um, you know, they, they could never get quite to the point of where they could do the, what they had at Golden State, switching everything on D. And I think that, that probably had more to do with the losing this year than anything else, where they never conceptually got the defense where I think Luke wants it to go. And that's going to be the challenge in the in the next couple of years. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, they never even really came close. I think they finished with the worst defensive efficiency in franchise history. Not like it, That's like a little skewed because offenses all went up this year, but it, it right. def- I definitely don't think it was where Luke wanted it. And I, and I also think Well, it's, and it's also not... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Magic has been, since the season ended, the number one theme, I would say, aside from, you know, praising Luke and then praising Ingram or whatever, but... Magic has been pretty adamant about everybody getting in better shape, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the type of defense they play requires incredible conditioning. One of the great misnomers about Magic Johnson is if you talk to him one-on-one or individually, um, on the air off, if you have a microphone or not, is he's a defense-first guy. Mm -hmm. You know, here's one of the great, most elite point guards slash scorers slash offensive forces in the history of, uh, of the game, and he also, you would you would say, he was never going to be a 10-time all-defensive team guy, but when you talk to him about basketball, what he will tell you is the transition game that the Lakers played, the Showtime Lakers that got out and ran and, and were led by him at the point, all did it starting with defense. They they were they created that by rebounding by by forcing turnovers, and then you would get a numbers game going full speed the other way. And Magic was so good at running the break that they were able to turn that into easy points. But you're if you spent two hours with Magic, he would tell you that defense is more important than offense. And I think that would surprise a lot of people coming from him. Yeah, that actually, it's kind of surprising. Well, I mean, you have to in order to get out and run, you have to get stops right you have to get turnovers you know that that's where i think the the showtime team would be so interesting now because of all the threes that people are taking that just means more long rebounds for them to run even faster off of so that's kind of funny um what was the you, you travel with the team and it was a pretty interesting team right it's not i don't think it has quite the personality of like a Shaq or even a, a kobe especially at the end of kobe's career but there was a kind of funny dynamic between Ivica Zubats and Larry Nance Jr. Do you have a favorite funny story from the road from, from the squad? Because they seem like a, a, a bunch of fun-loving individuals. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the thing I would say about this Laker team, too, is no jerks. You know, every year that you cover a basketball team, you're, you're going to have two or three jerks on every team. This team didn't have any. There wasn't anybody on the roster that you wouldn't want to go talk to, that you would try and avoid. 
um, they had very, very good chemistry. Now, having said that, guys, um, I think a lot of them won't be back next year. I think they're going to shuffle the deck. Um, but in terms of individual, in, in individual stories, I, I, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the guys who were the most fun, Nance was, it was the one guy in on the team that everybody likes. He's the most well-liked guy on the roster. I did a, um, I did a private event for the Lakers Youth Foundation, and I ended up interviewing D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram. And I asked them a bunch of questions, like stuff like if you, you know, like D'Angelo has dogs. And I said, if you had an emergency and someone on your team had to watch your dogs, who would you trust? And, and you know, first person is Nance. And I said to Ingram, like, who's, like, if you had to go live with somebody, you know, and your house was burning down and you had to go show up, like, where would you go? And he said, Nance. You know, so Nance is the guy that, you know, that that commands the most respect. Some other interesting you know, things that came out of that was, I asked Ingram if you had to raid one person's wardrobe uh, and you could only pick one, who would you pick? And he said, Meta World Peace. <laughs> he says he has a mad suit game, whatever that means. Jordan uh, Clarkson was probably not happy a, about that answer. Yeah, and I asked him a bunch of, you know, goofy questions like that. And so, you know, the one thing that, the one thing I enjoyed about covering this team was that there were there were just no bad guys on it, which is pretty rare in the NBA. Okay, so I gotta go back. I gotta stop you for a second there and go a little bit back. You said that you thought that the team would shuffle the deck, which I guess on its face makes sense after they had you know another lottery bound season. But I'm curious about what you mean by that. Like, are you saying like towards the end of the roster, or do you do you actually think they're gonna make like a bigger move here? Like Paul George, I know is a guy that's been talked about a lot. That kind of stuff. I think they're gonna do whatever it takes to get a star in here, and I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it before this season or if it's going to take a year. But I don't think, guys, that there's a phone call they don't take. I think if somebody calls and says, we want to talk to you about D'Angelo Russell or Brandon Ingram or Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson, that Rob Polinka does not hang up the phone ever. Um, I would venture to guess, and I'm speculating here, I could be dead wrong, but we had 15 guys on our roster this year, and I would guess that half of them will be gone. I don't know which half. But I think they are committed to change. Magic and Rob are committed after watching this for the past three or four years to getting a group of people in here who think differently and play differently. And um, that it's just a feeling that I have. I don't think they're going to tolerate any more of these 19, 20 win seasons by hook or by crook. They're going to get into it. And, and that's why I think they're going to shuffle the deck. That's really interesting because it actually does kind of match up somewhat with the rhetoric that we've been getting from these exit interviews and from Magic. He went on Spectrum Sportsnet at a Dodgers game today or a couple days ago. And they've all been saying that, you know, the goal is excellence. The goal is to win now and that they want to bring winners in. I think Palinka went on like a specific kind of tangent about what type of high character, those types of guys they wanted to bring in this uh, this offseason. Well, I think a lot of that's code. I think that if you look at what the Lakers need that they haven't had really for the past three years is a star who can take over the game by himself anytime he wants. You know, I think they were hoping Kobe could be that at the end of his career, but in his last two years, it was kind of hit and miss. So they've used this last season to see if that guy's on the roster now. Is it Russell? Is it Ingram? Is it, you know, somebody like that? And it's, it's probably too early to tell. Um, 
on, on guys like Russell and Ingram. So if your phone rings and somebody wants to move a star and you've got young assets that they're willing to do it for, I think you have to listen to anything and everything. Yeah, the I'm watching, I mean, for Laker fans who are hoping for a Paul George, that that's the guy, that's the name who I keep on coming back to. It's played out pretty perfectly with him, right? That he didn't make, he, it doesn't look like he's going to make an all-NBA team, so he's not going to get paid the Supermax $40 million a year contract. Uh, the Pacers are probably going to get swept by Cleveland, so and he's been frustrated basically every step along the way. So you have to kind of think, and Harrison and I joked on a past show that, you know, Magic and Larry Bird are probably going to have another one. You know, they're going to add to their book of, of classic battles this offseason, maybe talking about Larry Bird's current star and maybe Magic's potential future ones. Yeah, I don't know how likely it is that Paul George gets traded, but it would help, like you mentioned, if he doesn't make All-NBA. But I think it's pretty close, guys. Like, I don't know if you guys have worked on your All-NBA teams, but I, I think there are four locks. I think that that and Kawhi and all locks. Um, John, you broke you broke up a little bit there, right? As you were saying the names. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I just timing. think that that Paul George Paul George could make it. Mm-hmm. He's right on the he's right on the edge of it. I I personally don't have him in. Um, and and it, it's interesting because it could be him or Jimmy Butler that, that gets that last spot. Do you guys have Anthony Davis All NBA on any of your three teams? I I do. I have him as my uh, second team center. You, okay, so how can you put him at center if he didn't start very many games at center? Because like when Boogie got traded, isn't Boogie the center? Or and wasn't Oshik the center before that? It was. I think that there was a stat that he played sixty percent of his minutes at center. That even though he didn't start, that their best lineups all featured him as center, and he played uh, just a little bit more minutes at center that, than at uh, power forward this year. It's 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 a borderline pick, but I, I just okay. So you know you know what you got to watch there is Michelle Beadle, who I know has Draymond at one of her center spots for the same reason huh. that Draymond, although he never started played a high percentage of minutes at center. So if Draymond and Anthony Davis get voted as centers, then I think Paul George might make it as a forward because it takes two forwards off the board. I mean, LeBron and Durant and Kawhi are locks. Great mm-hmm. for yeah, a lock, easily. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's there's the first and second teams, right? So let's say, let's say um, Anthony, that you and Beadle – do everybody does what you're doing, and they move Anthony Davis and Draymond Green to centers. Doesn't that open up the third team for Jimmy Butler and Paul George? I would probably I would probably keep Draymond at a forward spot um, because his his version of center is so different. Like at least Anthony Davis, when he plays center, it re- resembles a center. Draymond's all over the perimeter. He's kind of just all over the court. And I think DeAndre Jordan, my three centers right now are Gobert, Davis, and Jordan. Uh, I think those three guys, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they just, they play the typical center position. And I I keep Draymond at a forward spot. And that makes it literally, I think, between Jimmy Butler and Paul George for that that final spot. I have Jimmy Butler just ahead of him. 
Um, yeah, so what will what, be interesting is that this is the first time ever that it really matters, that yeah. what we're talking about matters, and, and that if Paul George somehow makes it, the likelihood of him staying in Indiana goes way, way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and so if Beatles' ballot is the ballot that most people do, then I think Paul George actually makes it, and that puts him in. But it's not a lock. I mean, there are other there are other people around the league that you could, you know, kind of make an argument for, but I think that, that we're talking about those six to eight people, depending on if you classify Draymond and AD as forwards or centers. So, it, it, you know, it, it's going to come right down to the wire as to whether or not those guys make it. Um, and and, and I, I think Butler would, make, would, would, would find other ways to qualify for the Supermax anyway, and I'm not sure Butler's getting traded. I think George is the more likely guy to move. Um, but but it's interesting this all NBA thing. Hey, also you guys, let me tell you this: that we're taping this um, as I'm driving home from my radio show, and I'm about to go into a tunnel that I have about a seventy percent <laughs> success rate of staying connected to you. But if for some reason I don't, call me back. Okay? Yep. Yep. I was I was also going to add just at the at the very end of that little conversation about the All NBA teams. Our boss David Locke would probably shoot us if we didn't mention Gordon Hayward's name in there at all. <laughs> right, and and I think Gordon could make a a really strong argument. Last time I saw David, I, I talked to him too about Gobert being first team. Yeah, I think Gobert you could be the first team center, and 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 so there's a lot of possibilities. Oh, there's the tunnel. for us i'm on a lakers podcast we lost the, the connection i hope maybe or on the other hand maybe that means we're due to keep the pick i did it the other day and i hit it i did it five times three of the five times we lost the pick but the two times we kept it we were number one both times yeah they said i think it's like uh the lakers have a 15 percent chance of falling to four and also a 15 percent chance of getting to one or something like that i think darius from form blue and gold tweeted that out and uh yeah, yeah so the, it's the whole, a total coin flip we just it, gotta if you guys have any good luck charms break them out on uh, may 16th yeah I, I i'm actually planning on investing in the rabbit foot companies so we'll see how that goes <laughs> just like specifically los angeles based ones <laughs> yeah um, all right, so we were we were we were wrapping up a conversation about the All NBA teams. Um, I kind of wanted to to move on though to we were talking about this past season and and expectations and when we were going in. You've been with the team now for for how long? Would you say, John? My first year of full time travel was two thousand two, so probably, you know fifteen years basically. So it, given all of that, you know all, that length of time. And Mitch Kupchak has been this sturdy and steady presence in the organization. Heading into this year, what would you have placed the odds on that Mitch wouldn't make it through the season? Almost zero. It's crazy. I, I, um, I, I, I thought he would make it through the season for sure. And um, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why he didn't. And, and some of the bus family drama affects that. But... Um, you know, say what you want about Mitch Kupchak. He had a tremendous run, and he and he basically rebuilt the Lakers once before. You know, when they they went thirty four and forty eight in two thousand five, so they were you know very much on the outside looking in. 
And within three years, he had him back in the finals three years in a row. So you would think, you know, okay, we've got the right guy. He's, he's been in this hole before. He knows the way out. But, it, I, you know, my personal opinion, guys, and, and again, I could be wrong. This is just my personal opinion. But even the guys like me who tended to support Mitch all the time no matter what, because I knew a lot of the backroom dealings, I knew how hard he worked and how well he did, even guys like me, the, the big Laker apologist, could not spin the Dang and the Mozgov signings. No. I, did, I couldn't do it. And, um, you know, I tried hard to, to find a silver lining on either one of those deals. Um, but it just, in the modern NBA and, and how valuable cap space is, I think those two deals are probably, uh, you know, the beginning of the end for Mitch. Well, and then we were talking about how they felt like they need how the, this current regime feels like they need to bring a star in. And do you think that like some of that is just like almost because the la I mean, Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak were pretty open about how they wanted to make sure that they could acquire a star. And that was an important thing. And you talked about the 2005 season when they were bad, but they were able to rebuild their way back up. The one constant of that team was Kobe. And do you think that there's almost this mindset there of like, as long as we get this one superstar in, we can kind of start to cobble together pieces around that and just build around them. And that's almost what is driving this thirst for getting a player like that. Yeah. And I think that that's what they would love to do. Now that what you just said is a lot is really hard to do. I mean, it's easier said than done to go, you know, stars just don't don't move anymore. And, 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 you need an extraordinary set of circumstances, which, you know, goes back to the conversation we had five minutes ago. We need, you know, we're actually in a, this weird predicament where we're rooting for Paul George not to make an all-NBA team because it makes his availability greater. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're willing to do whatever it takes to get one of those guys in here. Um, but it, you need things to break right. You need somebody willing to leave money on the table. You need a Kevin Durant-type free agent move. And that's what I think the Lakers are, are you know, trying to position themselves for. And Rob knows the league. Polinka knows the league really well. And, you know, he knows a lot of these players individually. And I, I think that they're going to have a great opportunity to do it. But it's one thing to talk. You know, ask the Boston Celtics. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to get it done. If you were in charge, though, if you had, if it was completely your choice, your preference, which way would you go? Would you say, hey, let's let's keep on? It doesn't even matter which star we bring in. Chances are they aren't going to lift us over the Golden State Warriors anyway. So let's see what these kids right. grow up into. Or are you of the mindset of, all right, enough is enough. The Lakers need a star. Los Angeles needs the Lakers to have a star. Let's move in that direction. I think that, well, number one, I think that's the direction they're going. I think that's what Magic thinks, mm-hmm. which is a lot more important than what I think. But so I don't duck your question. If it were me, I think we've had four years, basically, of trying to, you know, draft young players, develop them, and we would know by now, in my opinion, we would know by now if we had a budding superstar. The only one that we don't know about is Ingram. Do you, let me ask you two guys. Do you think Brandon Ingram is a superstar now? Like, would you like, would you not trade him no matter what? I wouldn't say no matter what, but he's yeah, probably... not, not, not no matter what it, but it would have to be for a really good player. Yeah. Well, like I'll give you an example. The Greek freaks not getting traded no matter what. Mm-hmm. 
I would argue that Damian Lillard is not getting traded no matter what. They're Anthony Davis not being traded no matter what. Do we have anybody that fits that description? I, I mean, say, none of the guys that are on the roster right now have shown that much, but they're also younger than those guys. Right. Uh, and so I think that, you know, what Paul George is already what we want these guys to be. You know, we want them to develop into Paul George. If we could trade a couple of them to get Paul George, I think Magic would probably look at that very seriously. Um, the hardest thing is, what do you do with Ingram? Because he's so young and he's had flashes of, of you know, really good play. And, and so you better make sure that what you're getting in return is not going to be surpassed by Ingram in two to three years. I think we kind of can get a feel for what Randall is. Um, we know what Clarkson is. Russell, the jury's still out a little bit, but I think you can kind of get a feel that, that – Russell may not be a superstar. He might be a good player. Um, I, I, the, the, the Russell comp I always use, and, and Mike Trudell gets mad at me, is, um, is I think Russell's probably Mike Conley, who's a really good player who's never been an all-star. Um, Trudell insists that Russell will be a multi-time all-star and maybe a superstar. If you guys had to pick one of those two, would you, would you tend to agree more with me or more with Trudell? I, I feel more comfortable predicting Ingram is going to be a superstar than Russell. I, I okay. think I think I think Ingram, especially at the at the second half of the year, the thing with Ingram for me is there's something that he so obviously needs to get better with, and that's his physical strength, right? And with players who just have that one thing, if it's just something as as simple as strength, those guys tend to figure it out, right? Because like Giannis came into the league, it's funny. You look at the there was a funny meme going around on the internet where there was a Captain America before he got injected with stuff and then the after and then there was the Giannis picture before and then now and he looks completely different with Ingram if he just get, if he just gets a little bit bigger he becomes a monster Russell I I have questions about his his foot speed Randall I'm I'm concerned about his shot Ingram I think he can really put it all together um, right, so it just depends on, and that's going to be, like I said, the hardest decision that Rob and Magic have to make. Yeah. What do you, because everyone who calls uh, Anthony and Harrison, everybody who calls is going to ask for Ingram for all the reasons you just laid out. Um, so you have to decide, if push comes to shove, would we be willing to give him up? I, I doubt they would unless they know they're getting an, a, an all-star who's in his 20s who could, you know, lead the Lakers, you know, back onto the playoff stage. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really it's the hardest thing a GM and a and an owner has to do is decide whether to trade proven for unproven. Um all right, so I we'll we'll segue awkwardly here because that's that's how we do it best. Um you <laughs> You you work uh, nightly with with Michael Thompson, and based on his his Twitter timeline, he's he's quite the character. And based on everything, I've been listening to Michael Thompson since back when he was at AM five seventy. Uh, he's he's quite the character. Do you, do you have your do you have a favorite funny story of of Michael from this season that you just say, oh, yep, that's that's my color commentator. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I get new ones every week. He's almost, <laughs> he's almost impossible to explain. Um, it, I've, I told you, as I think on, on a previous podcast, did I tell you the Chick Hearn Enigma story? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, so this is my favorite story that Michael told me this year. So Chick, as you guys know, was the legendary Laker announcer for a lot of years, including all of the years that Michael played for the Lakers. So <laughs> Chick used to do before games these sit-down interviews where they'd put a Chick in a chair on the court and they'd bring a player over and put him in the chair next to Chick and Chick would interview him for like five minutes and it would run on the pregame show. So one of these years, like late 80s, one of these years, it's Michael. And Chick comes out and and says all right our guest today is michael thompson and uh, michael welcome to the lakers pregame show and uh i noticed michael that you've been um this year kind of an enigma one game you play well and then the next game you might not play and 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 michael looks at chick with a dead serious look on his face and goes what did you call me (laughs) an enigma he goes what Chick goes, no, no, Enigma, Enigma. And Michael goes, I'm just kidding, Chick. I'm messing with you. And Chick almost had a heart attack. And I thought, that's the greatest story ever. He almost killed Chick Hearn on the job. (laughs) And Chick Hearn's like Laker royalty that he's doing that to. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's that's a typical Michael story. I mean, he's always... He's corny and he's fun and he's different and there's nobody like him and uh, and it, it I'll tell you what it keeps me sane guys in in a season that has sixty losses to get to do the games with somebody that's that fun. He's he's great. Your guys is dynamic. I I actually like it when uh, you know I'll jump in the car somewhere or whatever it is. I actually it's a lost art calling basketball games, calling sports on the radio. And your guys' dynamic is is really good. Harrison, you had uh, I think hey, you had one really more question. Fun, really uh-huh. fun, especially with him. Uh, Harrison, yeah, I, I had one more question, John. I, I I only started following Michael on Twitter this year. I you know I just I didn't even know that he had a Twitter account before this, and it's quickly I, Harrison, become he, one I of think my favorite. Started on Twitter this year. I don't think you've missed anything. <laughs> okay, well then, all right, well then I'm right on track. But I was one like I, you follow him on Twitter, I'm assuming, and oh, I, yeah. I, it's. It's definitely become a thing on Lakers Twitter. People are like wondering. I mean, does he know about all these ty- like typos and like just his like like? W- have you seen him go on these tweet storms and like what's he talking like when he's doing this stuff? And it's just, I don't know. It's become one of my favorite accounts on Twitter because it's just irreverent and he just like he just seems to just randomly shoot off from the hip about something and send off like a ten tweet storm and then go dormant for like days. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm oftentimes I'm next to him when he does that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's great. He doesn't care about spelling. He doesn't care about grammar. Um, if, you, if you listen to us do the games, uh, 90% of the time his statistical analysis is just based in nothing. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it is, you know, he'll, he'll screw up the numbers. He'll, he'll, say, he'll say, Ireland, that guy's, that guy's five for 20. What's that, about 58%? <laughs> and... Uh, you know stuff like that, and and so yeah, he's com- Harrison. Answer your question. He's completely aware of it. He doesn't care. He uh, he went to high school for seven years, 
Um, and he also, as he points out, uh, went to Bahamian schools, uh, which the only thing you have to do is uh, show up. And uh, and he is he is truly one of a kind. And I doubt if he attended class in Minnesota more than twenty percent of the time, the entire time he was there. So twenty <laughs> percent of the time—that's ten of twenty, right? That's that's how according exactly. <laughs> well, this was this was a ton of fun, John. We we always, as always, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, we'll, well, I guess we'll probably have to check back in after the lottery. Do you have any kind of lucky socks that you're going to wear that night? I'm actually going to be in Italy. I'm uh, I'm going over to make a to make a long story short. I'm I'm doing a week in Ireland and a week in Italy that I, I didn't expect, um, but I'm going. And so I will. the The actual lottery takes place at three in the morning, and I will be glued to my computer uh, with both my fingers crossed and a very large pizza, hoping and and in one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to eat the pizza or throw it on the wall. So both uh, both my fingers are crossed, and I, I hope to bring some Irish luck to the proceedings. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we we can use all the luck we can get. Uh, thanks again, as always, and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great day. 